Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly Spider-Man podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. Did, did you just say Spider-Man? This is Adam, yes, by Adam. the way. <laughs> and this this is Zach, and yes, of course, Spider-Man. What have we been doing for 109 other episodes but talking about the amazing Peter B. Parker, uh, the, the, the spectacular Spider-Man? No. That is incorrect. This is an X-Man podcast. We just talked uh, about X-Man. Just the X-Man? The single... Just Nate Gray? <laughs> Not the, the Spider-Man? Look, to be, to be fair, for a few months, we were the X-Man podcast, so... <laughs> it's true. Um, but this is a, a Spider-Man-themed episode, is it not? Haven't we done this before? Haven't we done this twice before? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. Spidey. Spidey loves himself some X-Men, doesn't he? I don't know why Marvel doesn't just make some movies with Spider-Man. Sony's doing a great job with him. <sighs> Shame on you, Zach. Shame on you for trolling the passionate uh, MCU warriors out there who are willing to, to stand for the corporate mergers of the 21st century. <laughs> Everyone just needs to chill with everything. Oh my god. Y'all, there's... There's still going to be spider demands, and it's still going to be okay. Yeah. It's fine. I think the uh, the bottom line here is that we need to trust our cinematic movie overlords um, in their comic book adaptations and, and just chill out. And if we don't like them, that's okay. We just don't have to pay to see them. Frankly, everyone just needs to uh, not be so obsessed with the products of one specific media conglomerate and i think we'd all be happier anyway let's talk about spider-man and uh the x-men tmtm marvel tmtm the walt disney corporation coming soon on disney plus uh coming soon <laughs> look 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 wait hold on yeah if disney plus launched with a spider-man and x the x-men team-up show <laughs> i would watch that of in course. a heartbeat would of it even course. be questionable no, of course you'd watch it, um, and especially you would watch it if it was uh, our first request of the day, which is, uh, I, I think this is Kurt Busiak writing a, a Marvel Image crossover, right? We've got uh, Shadowhawk and X-Force teaming up to form Shadow Force and fight X-Factor and Spider-Man, right? No. Oh, oh, I misread but this. <laughs> You did? Yeah, I don't blame you. This comic's bad, actually. Uh, this this comic, we shouldn't be so mean to it uh, before we start talking about it. We should at least introduce it before we're mean. Uh, this comic was near and dear to the heart of Patreon supporter Pierce Lightning. Uh, Pierce went on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files, threw some money uh, in our coffers, and said, Guys, please talk about Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games, which I assume was a formative comic. And considering that Pierce, like, <laughs> has talked about and read good comics, I've, I've got to assume he's able to come back to this with open eyes and a in a full mind and say, Man, uh, this this might be the worst music comic I've ever read. <laughs> 
there's actually a couple of interesting things here, but uh, you do have to assume uh, High Pierce that Pierce has got to be a, a, a huge fan of such memorable characters as Airborne, Ambush, Firefight, Hard Time, Mirror Shade, and uh, the resident uh, big guy of the team, Oversize. Yeah, well, you're talking about Shadow Force. They were uh, criminals that the government experimented on to give them uh, superpowers in what might be the most generic plot of all time. Uh, yeah, yeah. And why is Spider-Man in this, right? He's he's abducted because the federal government is uh, is abducting superheroes to try and figure out their powers and give them to Shadow Force? Yes. Sure. Yes, uh, they are. And it's not good because uh, Spider-Man goes to help out his friend Flash Thompson. You remember him. He's uh, Tony Rivoli's uh, mean character from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> oh, him. Okay. Right. Uh, yes, Flash um, is just trying to get Spider-Man to visit uh, these, these young boys. Uh, it's like a boys club, Boy Scout type situation, right? Yeah, it's... Flash is Spider-Man fan club, I think. I honestly don't oh, think okay, Flash yeah. is the leader of it. I think he joined a Spider-Man fan club and then realized that he was the oldest by several heads, uh, but didn't want to uh, didn't want to say anything. So he just tells everyone that he's in charge of it. See, that's funny. I like that. If that was the intention. No, that's a hundred percent gotta be false. <laughs> well, what is funny is that after Spider-Man is abducted by Shadow Force. Um, he basically just calls X-Factor on the phone and says, hey, I think these people were mutants. Come and help. And X-Factor's like, all right, we're good. We're there. To be fair, <laughs> he tried to call the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and Captain America and yeah. like, other people first. And it didn't work. No avail. Yep. Uh, so he calls X-Factor the third most popular mutant team. Yeah, th- third sounds right in this <laughs> sure. case. Because Excalibur uh, was selling less at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, well, the two, the Spider-Man and the X-Factor have to team up and save Flash because Mirror Shade, who is the one member of Shadow Force that's actually kind of interesting, is like a weird mirror clone of Spider-Man, um, randomly gets a thought into his head that he has to kill flash because spider-man jokingly thinks i have to kill flash it's very much it's very much literally a plot point from the most recent spider-man movie uh yeah actually now that you bring it up yeah can we talk about the fact that the most recent spider-man movie had peter parker almost killing somebody with a drone that's not great Mm. oh well he didn't Uh, Look, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man's done some questionable stuff. Uh, uh, do you know what I think's questionable about this arc? Because we we have exhausted uh, all of the story potential in this arc. It's three issues. I am going to say the the art is uh, is quite lacking. Uh, not not my favorite art. Yeah, it's Pat Broderick on pencils, and I don't know much of Pat's work, uh, and I don't care to at this point. He's very, <laughs> he's very. I want to be Todd McFarlane, but mm. I don't have a good enough grasp on autonomy to do the weird stuff that McFarlane does with autonomy. Are you saying autonomy or anatomy? I'm saying autonomy. I do mean anatomy. And as it was coming out of my <laughs> mouth, I did realize it and said, well, 
gonna ride this gravy train until someone calls us out on Twitter. But I didn't. Well, need I do to. like the i. I do like the idea that Pat Broderick does not have control over his own personal autonomy, um, which he may not. I don't know. I've never met Pat, but he is definitely rocking sort of like an amalgam of a variety of different Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, Mm -hmm. Rob Liefeld styles here. And it is not good. It's not. uh, And that's all I want to say. Oh, Pat Broderick did Doom 2099. Which I hear is actually okay. one of the better 2099 titles. That, uh, sure, that doesn't sound terrible. Wait. I, I think he might be a good fit for that. Hold on. Do you know Do you know the secret about Doom 2099? Is that Doom is Doom 2099. Yeah, it's just regular Doom. He got sent to the future and he's <laughs> like, guess I'll take over this world now. And he succeeds. He oh. becomes president. It works out really well for Doom. I mean, it should. He's Doom. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Doom this episode. Um, but yeah, Pat is not great. And uh, this writing is suspiciously not Kirk UCX's best. Yeah, we did we talk about Marvel? We talked about Marvel's two episodes ago, uh, which came yeah. out the same year <laughs> as this. Wow, that's unforgivable. <laughs> So it's it's not even that Kurt Busiek was learning to be a good writer. He already knew how to do that. He was already mm. good. Uh, he did bad then. Uh, like he's he's phoning this one in, and a lot of this feels weirdly phoned in. Like I get you might want Spider Man and the X Men to team up because they're very hot in 1994. But mm-hmm. why X Factor? My only here's my only thought about this, and that is that, you know, we are still, you know, 1994, we're still riding this sort of like catch back up with the image guys. Boom. Um, You know, maybe not as much as when they started, but those guys are still putting out all of these sort of duplicate books of like, you know, these superheroes that will go absolutely nowhere. And the only thing I could think of is that Marvel thought that they could spin off shadow force into its own book um because if you look at other stuff that image and valiant were putting out i mean it's not that different you know it's just a a superhero team with a with a large person in it and some wacky headgear i mean how different is this from like brigade or uh other life field type things not that much but this is clearly a cash grab um and it's bad yeah, this one's not good. I had to, I I read this in floppies that I got at a comic convention, specifically oh. knowing that we were going to cover this on the podcast. So you own this. I own it with my own two hands. Uh, I am sorry to hear that. Ah, uh, don't. I spent <laughs> a buck fifty on it. So okay, all right, that's forgivable. It is. Um, but yeah, not a lot to to recommend here. Unfortunately, if you know if you're a you know, Peter David X Factor fan or a Spider Man fan from the nineties, it's just not doing much here. Well, X Factor, X Factor in this, it kinda of upset me. They're nothing. They are Oh no, they're window dressing. They are interchangeable too. I don't know any of their mm-hmm. personalities. Guido tells one joke. Uh yep, one joke. I mean, they basically team up with Spider Man sporadically. They're like in scenes. They're not technically teaming up much at all. They're kind of just 
They show up where Spider-Man shows up. Hmm. Interestingly, this came out of uh, Danny Fingeroth's office, which I believe he was the Spider-Man editor at the time. Uh, Spider-Man mm-hmm. went through a lot of editors right about now, so I can never be sure. But it wasn't Bob Harris, so it wasn't the X-Office. I do appreciate that they uh, they keep reminding you via editor's notes that this takes place before X-Factor 100. Before X-Factor 100. Yeah, because uh, so that's why around. Multiple Man is still alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, spoilers for a comic from 1994. Uh, he got better. Yeah. And then worse. And then better. And then worse. <laughs> and now we don't know. He's fine. He's a plant person now, I'm sure. Yep. They're all plant people. Spoiler alert. Um, all right. Let's compare this to some other bad X Factor. Um, oh, we got some on our giant bad X Factor. Giant list. <laughs> How many things are on our list? Is it 270? 270. In 10 more episodes, we'll ha- nine more episodes, we'll be on number 300 on this list. Math. Math. <laughs> I hate you so much. Is This is better than Prisoner of Love, right? Which is at 262, well, near the bottom of our list. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Is it, all right, is it better or worse than the first six issues of X-Factor? Mm, it's close. Yeah, I know. It's Yeah, they're, they're kind of neck and neck. Okay, okay, hear me out. At number 151... Okay. We have the X-Men, or 251, excuse me. We have the X-Men Survival Guide to the Mansion. That's. I think I'd rather revisit that. I'd rather revisit that. Uh, yeah. We also have at 254, just a couple spots below it, Phalanx Covenant Life Signs, which is an X-Factor Ooh. heavy book. That's a bad one, though. It is a bad is one. Bad. Uh, so we're in, we're in the right neighborhood. I'd, is this better or worse than Crimson Dawn? Better than Crimson Dawn. All right. It's worse than Pint Size X Baby's Murderama, which is 253. Okay. Um, it's. You know what? Oof. No, it's worse. It's worse than the first six issues of X Factor. I'm going to say I it. I think so. All right. So this is our new 256. This is right above Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn, uh, the new number 256. X-Men, oh, nope, nope, they're not in this one. It's Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games. Shadow Games. In the Shadow Games, working on our own. Anyway, I I know someone actually sang that song. I just know the Killers version. Uh, Sue me, Pierce. I know you like good music, and I'm sorry. I also know it's Shadow Play. (laughs) What is that? Is that Lou Reed? Who does Shadow Play? Joy Division. Yeah, that's right. We should dance to them at some point. Anyway. Yeah, let's do it. That's that's another song okay. by a better band. Then Joy Division, I don't know. I've never gotten into them. Uh, Very good. I prefer their New Order uh, lineup, but uh, unfortunately that is necessitated by the death of the lead singer of Joy Division. Sorry about that. Still like New Order better. And I, you know what else I really like? Transition. This next story... <laughs> Also good is Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine by Jason Aaron and Adam Kubert. Oh my goodness. I didn't know this was a thing, and I'm glad I do now. It's fun. Yeah, this is kind of a... It's a six-issue miniseries, and it is kind of like a prestige like, hey, we're going to bring out some big guns for this one. Because you got Jason Aaron, who at the time is not, you know, like... 
the Jason Aaron that's going to sell a million copies of Star Wars. Jason Aaron didn't sell a million copies. Star Wars sold a million copies. Not the point. Uh, and it's... Oof. Look, he'll say that. <laughs> ain't no... ain't Jason Aaron ain't gonna say, no, I'm bigger than Star Wars. Nah, he's gonna say, <laughs> I, I was a good writer, and I had John Cassidy doing the art, and Star Wars was the biggest it had been since 1999. Doesn't hurt that he's good at it. No, he's I very mean, good. I agree. <laughs> um, but he is doing Wolverine and the X-Men at this point. Um, is he? No, no. He has no? no. He has just started his run on Wolverine. Like, during this. Okay. Where Wolverine okay. goes to hell. Uh, so, he would have had Wolverine Weapon X under his belt. But not the other stuff. So, what year did this come out? Whatever year Jason Aaron started on Wolverine Goes okay, to Hell. On. I got Oh, it's 2010. Okay. Yeah. I had this later on in my uh, in my brain. So this is this is about a year before Wolverine and the X-Men number 1 comes out. Yeah, so in, he, at the end of 2011. He's on his way to becoming like Jason Aaron. He's just not there yet. Uh And this is fun. Uh Wolverine and Spider-Man both try and stop a bank robbery. And then accidentally get mm-hmm. sent back to caveman times where Spider-Man tries to save the world and Wolverine teaches caveman how to make beer. <laughs> yes, yes. And it reshapes the entire timeline. Um, and luckily for them, there are these little magical diamonds throughout this story that allow the villains of the story as well as uh our our heroes to travel back and forth through a variety of different time periods and there is some hijinks people yeah they get sent into a bad future where the cave people that wolverine taught how to drink beer and like stand up for themselves took over the world so uh doom the living planet has to uh destroy earth with his annihilation wave uh, yes, Doom is Unicron in this story, which is pretty freaking awesome. It includes a three-page spread of uh, the Doom planet because how, maybe you want to take this, Zach. How do they? How do they uh, kill the, the Doom Doomicron, if you will? Oh, uh, Spider-Man finds a box with a gun that shoots a bullet. That's the Phoenix, and then Wolverine oh, punches him and says. You're not going to shoot anyone. I don't care if it's the size of a planet. I'm good with guns. You're Spider-Man. And he shoots it and then also goes through time again. Uh, and they keep jumping through time. There's one thing I want to point out. This is this is interesting and good. And the Adam Kubert art is great. And there's a lot of good Jason Aaron beats in this. However, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the fault of this story. I think this is the fault of later Jason Aaron... He's done all of this again in his time at Marvel. Like, he's revisited well, literally all of this. Yeah, if uh, if you know nothing else about Jason Aaron, you have to know that he loves the orb. and that The he orbs loves in this Wolverine. one. Yeah, and you have to know that he loves Wolverine's brother, Dog. Dog's in this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, he yeah. also... Uh, in, in his Thor run, there is a point where Odin and Tony Stark are talking about how Odin's a bad dad, which he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony says, okay, tell me uh, tell me what went wrong. And then Odin says, I think it all started when I invented beer. <laughs> so he's done that joke before. 
And then he also, in his uh, Thor run, has Doom, uh, has Phoenix Wolverine and God Thor, King Thor, fighting Doom, who is, uh, let's see, what all is he in that run? Uh, He is the Sorcerer Supreme. He does have the Spirit of Vengeance. He does have the Iron Fist, for sure. I He doesn't have the Black Panther uh, powers. Uh, I He might have the Starbrand, too. That's a lot of power. Yeah, he's got a lot of doom in him. Uh, so, look, that's, that's later Jason Aaron's fault for... On one hand, you could say reusing ideas. On the other hand, you could say fleshing out ideas that he really liked. Sure. Um... And this really is just a, a, a magical thing where each issue is just another layer. Uh, you're peeling this onion and finding these other fun things like uh, Czar, the time traveler who <laughs> makes people time travel with a diamond covered bat. And then we realize later that this is actually a Mojo story. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Czar's working for Mojo because Mojo hired him. Yeah. Yeah, he's looking for uh for, you know, really good TV material. I just I don't know. I liked how absolutely zany and bananas this was and the Adam Kubert art. Oh man, I've never seen a Kubert Mojo before. He does a great Mojo. Yeah, Mojo's disgusting, which is very good. Like Mojo should yeah, be gross. In a really fun way. Yeah, and that happens here. So, mm-hmm. great job on that. Uh, I will say, I don't love how this resolves itself. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, by the end of the fifth issue, Wolverine is literally the phoenix because he's been, you know, still sitting on some of that bullet energy for, for several issues. And unfortunately, I I have to agree, the, the, the end of this is a bit of a letdown after we've had such amazing little details like robot devil dinosaurs and uh you know just great cameos throughout this whole thing i don't know it, you're right it what's your take on the end where peter i guess talked him down peter kind of it? talked him down but then uh in a caption peter kind of says oh yeah and then time just fixed itself time just all fixed itself and everything yeah. went back to the way it was including this woman that peter was like in love with throughout this whole thing and like had a life with in the old west uh doc uh doc from uh back to the future style oh yeah it's definitely a back to the future three reference uh because they end up in the old west um and yeah that is probably the strangest part of this story is that from the first issue peter is like obsessed with this woman who turns out to be just a random bank teller um and when the timeline figures itself out she has no memory of anything that did happen so i i don't know that that part's a little bit strange to me uh i have no problem with the rest of it yeah jason aaron makes a cameo oh yeah jason aaron uh is definitely a bartender giving wolverine a beer uh one of one of wolverine's (laughs) tribes beer uh, so that that continues. Yeah. And, it, it you know, we, we get an idea of how Dog gets into the current timeline and later appears in Wolverine and the X-Men, which I never knew. And now now I figured it out. It's because everybody's diamond encrusted in this story. Oh, yeah. Wolverine does get diamond encrusted claws uh, for a little bit. Yeah. Which does. Spider-Man does the does the eyes. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's fine. I, I think I think the end of this kind of goes like the last two issues are where it goes off the rails uh, narratively. Because well, it's more 
yeah, it's more fun when you could like when when it has more surprises. When the surprises are not as fun as the first couple issues, you know, it loses a little bit of its steam. I, I still think it's really cool though, and I loved Cubert's uh, art. I think he's he's doing a great job here. He is now like uh, now we got some Cubert on here. We we got some Cubert. Uh, on yes. Here. Where is uh? Ultimate X-Men uh, Number 74 Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate X-Men 1 through 6 The yep. Tomorrow People mm-hmm. uh, It's a Cubert joint Is this better or worse than yeah, that? I, I don't know I mean right below that We have Wolverine Blood Hungry And I, I would have to say that that is I like Blood Hungry better than I like this Um, I would agree with that Uh yeah. Do you like that issue of Excalibur where uh, Rachel fights Galactus and then some other stuff happens? <laughs> I think this... Um, I'm just looking at what's below that. Inferno, the Christmas issue. Of Man, Excalibur. we put Howard the Duck 8 through 11 above Inferno. People are gonna... That's why people hate us. People hate us? Nobody hates us. Uh, that is also a mojo joint, and uh, I think that's probably a better mojo joint than this. What do you think? Probably. Uh, ooh, interesting. Is it better than the X-Men in Life Lessons? The 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 very good story with uh, Jean-Paul Leonard? That is a more serious story that I think is very well done. This is a much more fun story uh, that I do think probably is better than X Factor seventy one to seventy five. So, what I, do you think? I know you you hold life lessons in, in high regard. I'm I'm thinking. So that's at uh, eighty three right now. I know at ninety two mm-hmm. House of M. This is better than House of M. Yeah. Here's where I'm caught up. Just a few okay, spots below it is Captain America 367, Acts of Vengeance, which is that time that Magneto fought Red Skull and beat Red Skull and threw him in a hole. <sighs> yeah. That one's better. That one's better than this one. Well, I do think this is probably better than Murder at the Mansion, though, don't you? I I could take either. So I think we okay. Let's let's split it. Let's go above it uh, because I think you liked this more than I did. Uh, but I think All we're right. mostly in the same spot here. So let's make this our new number eighty nine. Uh, Perfect. Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine. Go check this one out, guys. If you if you skipped over it, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> it, it it was a lot of fun. Uh, it is really wacky. And uh, our next story is also something that I completely skipped. Um, though I did know it was happening when it happened. You said you didn't know this story was even being made. Yeah, I got married at the time and stopped following comics for like three months. It was in the middle of Battle of the Atom. Uh, you know, the, the storyline that we now <laughs> have a weekly podcast dedicated to, of course. Yeah, uh, that's all we talk about. Just that cross. Just, just that time where Wolverine <laughs> and Mystique had a kid and Charles Xavier and Mystique had a kid. And Deadpool was there, and the runaway that I like was there. Oh, it was not this story, though. This story happens at the exact same time. Now, this is a three-parter over some very weird uh, titles. What are each one of these called? Uh, We've got All New X-Men Special Volume 1, Number 1, Indestructible Hulk Special Volume 1, Number 1, and Superior Spider-Man Team-Up Special Number 1. 
uh, volume one, of course, mm. of that. This is Arms of yeah. the Octopus, written by Mike Costa, with art by Chris Anka, Jake Wyatt, and Michael Dialanis. And this is uh, Chris Anka's debut, uh, correct? This I is believe. his this first is... issue that he did. He had done covers, and he may have mm-hmm. done some fill-ins, but this is his, or some shorts and some fill-ins, but this is his first full issue. Uh, he kills it. Yeah, guys. <laughs> it's great. This is, this is not Chris Anka of today. This is still really good. Like, Chris Anka's been good for a this while. Is original recipe? <laughs> this is, this is just like, still learning comics, Chris Anka. Uh, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> he learned quickly. That, he learned at the quickly. Same time, Dude's a freaking master, <laughs> like from the outset. The ex- just the the oh my gosh, the character work that he does here, the expressions, uh, he nails it. I mean, we've got four of the O five in this story because um, I, Angel is hanging out with the Uncanny team, right? And uh, we're we're teaming him up in a very unlikely way with um, the Superior Spider Man, who is not Peter Parker. Um, but is instead Dr. Octopus in Peter Parker's body. Yep. Very weird. Also teaming up with them is the indestructible Hulk, who is Hulk, but at the time, the, you know, Marvel now happened and they needed a hook for him, and Mark Wade said, what if Hulk just, like, I don't know, hung out with S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while? <laughs> More armor. Well, the armor's not for Hulk. The armor's for Banner. Oh, right. Okay. That, that makes sense. Uh, Superior uh, Spider-Man's but- pretty good indestructible hulk is fine it's not it's not bad there's a good like three issue arc where walt simonson does the art and Mm -hmm. uh the indestructible hulk and thor go to jodenheim oh i am there for that i didn't know that existed yeah uh that part that part rules the rest of the rest (laughs) of the runs whatever well, that unfortunately does not happen in this three-issue stretch. However, um, I am always game for an 05 in the 21st century trying to figure out things story. Um, and this is a great one, this first issue. Yeah, because uh, here's what happens. The 05 are hanging out, and Hank sees somebody in the park, and he goes to hit on her. Uh, and finds out that she has a college professor that was his professor back in the 60s. Not awkward at all. Not awkward. He plays it off. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, they hang out, and then a Dr. Octopus, but like 60s Dr. Octopus shows up, and that attracts the superior Spider-Man, who fights it, and then finds out, wow, there's a lot of gamma radiation there, so they call on the Hulk, and it's a whole thing to figure out what's going on, because... Then an abomination shows up, and, and then they all fight, and the Spear Spider-Man gets mad uh, because he has to work with children, and he's mad that these children don't even have cell phones. Uh, and they all have a fight, and it turns out the college professor was a bad guy after all, because he got mad that all the gamma radiation got screwed up by the Hulk. Right, everybody else is a, is a better scientist than he is, and uh, gosh darn it, he's upset, so he's going to make robot villains to just, I guess, do bad stuff. I don't understand his plan, but his plan's not important because it doesn't hold up. Like, the, the comic just keeps moving. Yeah, so it, yeah, and 
Jacob Wyatt does a great job in the second issue of picking up where Anka Life leaves off. There's this great two-page spread when the whole team is trying to, you know, team up and work in the lab and figure this out. Oh, it's beautiful. And what a great thing, great spread. Like you, you're following what the scientists are doing, but you're also following what the, the non-scientist X-Men are doing, just like bored out of their mind. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what I like is Mike Costa's, uh, his uh, dialogue in this is very snappy and mm-hmm. heartfelt at the same time. In fact, there's a, there's a moment at the end, and I, I screen capped it on Twitter because it has a very, very good page turn where Scott Summers, after all this is done, pulls Dr. Banner aside and says, I don't want to be rude, but why don't you just kill yourself? <laughs> not, not something you just walk up to people and ask or, or even ever ask anybody. Why? What, oh, gosh. Which... Is a great out of context, like panel, amazing, but it's followed up by a real heartfelt discussion on the next page where Doctor Banner says, "Hey, look, the Hulk, the Hulk is a challenge, but I can do so many great things. Like mm-hmm. I have value in this world outside of my negative side. I can still do things." So. No, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to do any of that. And it's played in a way that it inspires Cyclops, who's going through a lot of like legitimate challenges in comics right there, of saying, do I want to grow up and be what I view as a mutant terrorist? Is that is that yeah. what I want? I, I think that hits really well. I, I think the the intention of the scene is done intelligently, whether it really needs to be a conversation that is discussed via uh, talking about ending your life. I think it's a little bit out of character, um, you know, to take it to that extreme, mm-hmm. um, even though Cyclops is definitely dealing with the shock of seeing his future self. Oh, Cy- um, Cyclops needs to be medicated. We've, I think everyone would agree. <laughs> dude, dude, not to not to armchair diagnose anyone. Uh, because comics, you know, aren't that, and there are serious medical like situations that people need to like actually talk to the doctors about and stuff. Uh, that said, Cyclops has definitely anxiety and depression, and just he needs to talk to somebody because the last time he went to therapy, it ended his marriage, and that didn't work well for anyone. <laughs> I don't know if we would call that therapy. Uh, um... Emma would, but that's not. I love her so much. <laughs> don't get don't get at me, Emma. People, I'm just relaying actual facts of what happened. I will say this has a couple of really great like moments, including the Hulk um, getting unhulked by puppies, which is just what a great little moment. Well, it's <laughs> I love that. it's real good because it builds it up. So Doctor Banner's mm-hmm. experimenting on what stops me from being Hulk. Just what can, what can calm me down? Uh, and there's a point one of his lab assistants is talking about how they once heard the Hulk laugh, and it was terrifying. <laughs> And it's a it's a smash cut to him covered in puppies, <laughs> and he's laughing because they're so cute. Um, yeah, I also really like the interactions between uh, Superior Spider Man is really trying his best to like teach the O five to be better superheroes, and he in particular has these great interactions with Iceman throughout the third issue that are fantastic. Yeah, he tells him to do something really complex and says it has to be down to the millimeter and all this stuff, and then Iceman just looks at him and says, yeah, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) What are you talking about, man? I don't do that. 
<laughs> it's it's interesting because this is a very specific moment in time where the O five and the Superior Spider Man still felt fresh and new. Like for me, mm-hmm. there's a Superior Spider Man story going on right now, a comic. I couldn't care about that at all. I'm I'm over the gimmick of Spider Man, but he's mean, and he's also Doctor Octopus. Like I'm not even reading that on Unlimited. It doesn't it doesn't click with me anymore. And in the same way, we've talked about it before, the O5 needed to go home. Like, they, they, they hit their point where they needed to go back. hmm But I don't know if this was it. Yet, no. Though. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. This, this makes a good case for them to continue on here and, and shows this is uh, uh, especially involving Superior Spider-Man in here and, like, their interaction. It shows a different side of what that team could have been and how that could have, you know, continued in a completely different direction than you see in the book in, in, in all new. Mm -hmm. It's, it's nice. I like this crossover. I think it's, it's a fun, good time. Also by staring at the all new X-Men logo right now, I'm realizing that there's an outline of the original sixties X-Men X with like the jaggedy edges, uh, floating (laughs) above the, uh, X for all new X-Men, which is very good. And I feel like after reading those books since 2012, I would have picked up on that sooner. Yeah. So folks, if you skip this one, uh, go check it out. It's a lot of fun, especially if you are an 05 in the present fan. Yeah. Uh, this won't make you love them, but you're not going to be upset with them. Just don't think about how time yeah. works. Cause it doesn't, they're both from the sixties and Cyclops is only 28. Don't, think about it see i can't i i i know jordan i know jordan says he's only 28 i tell you what i'm 28 adam and cyclops is older than me we just keep getting into into it with jordan about this he's uh, wrong it's in, he he's so wrong he's he, he's a nice he's, guy he's also in charge so uh <laughs> well you know cyclops is a pod person now so we don't have to worry about that age is relative that's right everybody's a plant where are we going on the list with this thing? Um, I am looking at uh, like somewhere maybe in the one thirties. I think one thirties is a good. Mm, what's in one thirties? One twenty nine is the Gold Balls issue of Uncanny X Men Volume Three, um, which I'm not sure if this is better than that. Yeah, but I like this better than the X Men versus the Agents of Atlas, which is right below it at one thirty. Well, maybe, maybe I'm not giving this enough credit. Uh, if we're looking up the list, uh, we're looking at New X-Men Childhood's End, the Rogue miniseries, and Uncanny 245 Men, and the Uncanny 230 Aussie Xmas. Am I maybe not giving this enough credit? Uh, I don't know. I like it. I like it. Uh, How about this? 120 is Cross Time Capers. Is this better than Cross Time Capers? I think it's like just worse than Cross Time Capers because Cross Time Capers does have the X Men of twenty ninety nine in it. All right, I'm the, I'm also gonna say that I don't think it's better than the Extraordinary X Men seventeen IDX tie in, which was that great Storm standalone. That Storm story. standalone with Victor Abzala uh, art. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Okay, yeah, this can be our new number one twenty two. Great. Putting it just above X-Men First Class 11, the continuity. It's Arms of the Octopus. 
strangely literal title given that they spend a great deal of the story chasing the arms of, of yeah doc ox arms play a massive role in this story uh yeah anyway anyway it's a fun one check it out it was a fun one i'd like to thank uh pierce lightning for doing doing this podcast uh and by podcast i mean going over to patreon.com slash xavier files throwing money our way and requesting this one uh it's fun i always enjoy talking about the spidered man uh I don't love him in the same way that others do, but I I like to think I like Spider-Man more than 50% of people in the world. I'm in the top <laughs> half of Spider-Man fans in the world. Sure. Because I know, I know. I know I'm a bigger fan than my wife uh, and my, uh, you know, infant. Uh, probably not as big a fan of Spider-Man as my three-year-old, though. So that puts me, uh, you know, in that in that 75th percentile. Oh boy! And to think I was picking on you before about math—that's that was unfair. I'm good at math. Everyone keeps forgetting that. That's my job. No, my job's talking to humans because somehow, somehow, I can talk to people without it being about X Men. It's a wild thing. Hmm. Shocking. I put on my podcast voice when I'm on the phone too. It's very funny. I think. Cool. Yeah, that's how customers. Here's who knows me as podcast Zach. Customers that, you know, buy HVAC equipment and (laughs) X-Men fans. Everyone else hears a different version of me that's less excitable, I think. Regardless. Uh, If you want to hear more versions of me, uh, you can go to XavierFiles.com. That's where I have all the latest and greatest stuff and things. You can also go to XavierFiles on Twitter. Uh, and you can read the latest of the Hotsbox talks on Polygon.com. Uh, that's where we talk about the Jonathan Hickman X-Men. Uh, the uh, the one that just came out, guys, it's pretty good. And we talk about <laughs> Poptopia. So I'm excited. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is it is it surprising, Adam, that Hickman referenced Poptopia before he referenced the Dark Phoenix Saga? That could be the most shocking thing you've said all episode. And I say a lot of shocking stuff. <laughs> Adam, where can people find you on the internet? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. New pages of Bish and Jubes come out every Monday at adamrec.tumblr.com. And if you uh, would like art in your inbox, you can always go to patreon.com slash adam wreck and uh, i'm also very excited that today i got my new york city comic-con press pass in the mail i am uh i have my badge i am ready to rock uh so i i think we're go man this is actually happening yeah you're pressed now you gotta live with that you better get all of the good interviews i'm expecting (laughs) yours to beat my c2e2 con diary I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I just have to make sure I get to each person before Chris Hassan gets there. And uh, hopefully I will I will get the exclusives. The exclusives? <laughs> yes. It's going to be very Those. good. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about how kids are just the worst. Right? They are. Children? Jeez. Guys, it's going to be a fun time. As you've heard in the past, children just don't listen to you sometimes and interrupt your podcast sessions while you're trying to talk to your friends. Uh, but I, you know, they're also great and we love them. Uh, but until then, for Adam Rec, I've been Zach Jenkins. This has been Bow the Adam. We hope you survived 
the experience. Get it!